Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. The year is 1978. The album is Wild and Crazy Guy. The artist Steve Martin and my guest is Donna Lynn Champlin. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. I'm I'm thrilled to take this trip down memory lane for sure. Um, first of all, I'm obviously a big fan of uh, of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, and thank yay. you for the show. Oh, well. And for being delightful on oh, it. Oh, you're sweet. I have nothing to do with the show. It's all <laughs> Rachel Bloom and Aline Brosh McKenna, yeah. but I, I will take it anyway. I will pass it on to the ladies. Well, thank you. You are now our third guest from the show. Rachel did the show before the show ever happened. She did. She was yes, on here a she couple did times. Yeah, Weird Al Yankovic, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and they. Um, she went to go see his recent show, and and um, they t- they he invited her backstage, and oh. it blew her mind. I'm, of course, I it think did. we were on set when she kind of got the email that was like, yeah. you know, come back and say hi. Uh, and like it was just awesome to just see. I was her. hoping that would happen. Oh, frankly. she just her brain exploded. It was Yay, awesome. That's amazing. Well deserved. <laughs> um, so, you picked Wild and Crazy Guy. I did. Steve Martin. Why? Well. Um, I, growing up, you know, um, we, I might have an older brother. He's four years older than me. Mm-hmm. And um, he was allowed to watch Saturday Night Live, but I was not. Okay. So if we're talking like 1978, maybe 79 by the time we actually got our hands on this album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that makes me, what, like eight eight okay. years old. So he was 12. So he was just allowed to watch television. And um, so he had seen... I, I just called my brother like this morning and I was like, okay, refresh my memory as to how this all happened. He had seen Steve Martin on, on Saturday Night Live. Sure, sure. And I think as a present, my mom had gotten him the album. Awesome. And so he was listening to it in his room and I heard King Tut from like, you know, <laughs> down the stairs. Of course. And I came running up the stairs. I was like, oh, what is that? That's amazing. <laughs> and he, because he had seen the routine, he started to do the King Tut dance. <laughs> and I wish, it was like, I distinctly remember this moment of like, this merging of who is this amazing man singing King Tut on this album, and my brother is like the coolest person on the planet. That's, that's so good. Oh my God. Yeah, and I'm just, you know, I'm looking at the album right now, and I do, I mean, I remember sitting there, and so we listened to the whole thing, mm-hmm. and, you know, just the cover of it, he's got bunny ears on, so like as an eight-year-old, I was like, this guy's amazing. <laughs> He, wear, he wears bunny ears. It is a really great cover. Like my the one that, like I said, most people pick Let's Get Small, yeah. which happens to be my favorite too. And I do love the cover. It's on the wall. Oh right. But I I do I am partial to the style of this one, and I love the bunny ears a whole lot. Well, you know, talking about the style of this one, it's mm-hmm. interesting to listen to it now as an adult because mm-hmm. I've of course I listened to it recently, you know, in, in anticipation of this podcast. Um, there are moments that as an adult, I'm listening to it now, remembering as a kid being completely confused I bet. or trying to figure out like what was he doing live that we can't see mm-hmm. and there gets this and one of the most amazing things is I didn't realize of course as a child that this is a compilation am I correct it is basically it's, it's two different locations small house it's a small house mm-hmm. and then it's a huge house yeah and so like in the middle of the album <laughs> there's this point where the audience all of a sudden sounds huge uh-huh. and goes completely crazy screaming and applauding and then he says oh is that for me (laughs) and i remember my brother and i were constantly trying to figure out what hilarious thing that he had done Uh that previously up until that point only it sounded like only 20 people were laughing right yeah we did we never put it together it was two separate locations (laughs) and two distinctly different size houses it's so good it's 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 also nice to hear uh, not the same material so it sounds like it's two totally different shows too that he's doing and you can also feel like as an artist Mm -hmm. one is very pre 
sort of it feels like anyway mm-hmm. where the the smaller house is much more he does a lot more of his, his philosophy stuff yeah, yeah yeah he doesn't do a lot of funny voices right he hasn't i don't even know but it's it sounds like his catchphrases mm-hmm. perhaps mm-hmm. hadn't been cemented and then the second half yeah is all he even makes a joke about it mm-hmm. you know that he's famous for wild and crazy guy and right. then, you know the 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 guy who's trying to pick up the get the lady and <laughs> the you know the two wild and crazy guy and then of course king tut and he makes a joke that like you know there comes a point when an artist needs to move on <laughs> and evolve and then he just uses it as a segue to do all of the greatest so hits good. um but it is funny it sounds almost like two different guys yeah yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that, and I it, it had not occurred to me too because I had I was I think I was reading up on it before I re-listened to it that you know the the bit it's it, there's a beautiful transition where he's talking about oh I just want to make two million dollars a show and, and then I'm bam. out bam that's right yeah well, that's yeah what, that, that, my brother and I were yeah. like what did he do that got that huge <laughs> laugh all of a sudden um yeah it's you know it's funny because I remember as a kid mm-hmm. I preferred the second half mm-hmm. because it was funny voices sure. and it was accents and it was you know the big song yeah but as an adult listening to it again i actually prefer the first half now i get that yeah that makes perfect it's, sense it's you know i mean obviously as a kid a lot of the jokes went over my head of course, you know philosophy of and mm-hmm. you know sexual innuendo and stuff uh-huh. but i still do remember getting a lot of it i think that i think one of the reasons why i grew up in an irish catholic household pretty mm-hmm. pretty strict and um now listening to it i'm kind of shocked that my mom actually bought the album because yeah. it has like a couple swear words sure. in it. But when you think about the contemporaries mm-hmm. at that time, he was actually, you know, really quite classy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, a lot of the other, like, what was Sam Kinison maybe a little bit later, oh, but... Yeah, but still. It you was know, there was, a the very, it, there was a very crass kind of way stand-up comedy was, was going. Mm-hmm. He, he is actually rather refined. I know, I know. And intellectual. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, I think is probably how it squeaked into our Irish sure. Catholic house. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you're right. It's that. The subject matter is super intellectual. And then on top of that, it's like the characters are so anti-intellectual because he's acting like an idiot the whole time. And it's kind of beautiful. And so it seems goofy yeah. and appropriate for kids. I have to tell you, I have to share something. I, um, when I was uh, doing some research as well for, for today, mm-hmm. I just looked up this album on like Amazon.com and I looked at the reviews. Uh-huh. I always love to see what people have to say. And there was one just made me laugh so hard. This person gave it like a one-star review because they were like, I don't know, but Steve Martin sounds really full of himself. Ah! And, and I literally was like, oh, my God, like the whole album just, you just didn't get it. Like the whole, that's the joke wow. that he's a complete idiot, but is thinks he's. Oh, my oh. God. But it, it was it was just really, really funny because that's, of course, like one of my favorite parts about it. Yeah. Is this guy who just, you know, thinks he's such an intellectual and then says the most ridiculous. Uh-huh insane ignorant stuff that's so good did you from from there i mean here's the thing it'd be funny to be it's a weird question i normally say well did you listen to more of his stuff well at that point he's a piece of pop culture for the next 20 years and unavoidable well exactly and um you know i was always a fan of of steve martin and i don't even think i ever put it together that it was the same guy that i listened to on the album although i was fascinated just purely just taking a trip to memory lane that he had white hair and he was so young. Yeah. Yeah. I remember as a kid, I was baffled by that and mm-hmm. thought it was so exotic and right. cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, actually I was, uh, I, I had a chance to work with Steve Martin. That's awesome. Um, just a few years, four or five years ago, I did, um, a production of as you like it at Shakespeare in the park mm-hmm. in New York. 
and um, he composed music. He was our composer. Wow. And so it was this incredible moment where, um, you know, he was in rehearsal and he mostly just dealt with the music stuff. But I I had a scene or whatever and he just came up to me and he said, he said, he said, uh, do you mind if I, you know, give you a suggestion as to how to make that funnier? And I literally was like, Holy shit. as soon as I pick up the pieces of my brain from the ceiling that you're even talking to me. Yeah, just give me a moment and go. Oh, my God. <laughs> but he's lovely. He's, yeah. you know, and it's just. I also remember listening to this album as a kid. You know, you hear the bando, the banjo fiddling that yeah. he does, but it never, it never turns into an actual tune. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, which is, none of this I one. remember being so frustrated by that <laughs> as a kid, thinking, "Why is he teasing us with this awesome <laughs> banjo music?" And then there isn't like a banjo. Where's the banjo song? <laughs> That's a good point. I'd forgotten because in Let's Get Small, there's at least two times where he plays a full song. Yeah, or no, at least it's just to. noodling. You just hear him <laughs> kind of noodling on it. Um, but he's such a brilliant. Musician. I mean, I think he's, you know, one of our modern day jack of all trades. Sure, yeah. You know, he's got this philosophy degree and he's a brilliant playwright mm-hmm. and he's obviously he's a fabulous composer and now he just had, was it, it's not Swinging on a Star, oh, Bright Star. Mm-hmm. He just had a show debut on Broadway. Oh shit, I did not, not like even a, it was, know Yeah, that. it's called Bright Star, I'm pretty sure. Um, it started at the Old Globe and then it transferred. And, you know, his movie career, obviously, I mean, and I do find just as an actor as well, I, I think that he... Um, has a has a particular insight that his I would I would imagine his stand up comedy gives him his brand of sure. stand up comedy, which is on the well, the first half of this album is on the dry side, yeah, you yeah. know, and then the second half is on the wild and wacky side, mm-hmm. you know, and I I think that 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 informs his comedy as an actor, yeah, I very get that. much so. Mm-hmm. When you think of his roles of like you know the dad and what's that the Elizabeth Taylor remake um, oh, crap. my daughter's getting married or what, yeah. whatever that one is uh, uh, father of the bride father of the there bride. we go you know he pretty much plays a straight man that's in true that. yeah but then you see three amigos and he's you know completely <laughs> completely bananas mm-hmm. um, but no I've just yeah it's. It's it's hard to not be a fan of, of Steve Martin in in one capacity at the very sure, least. Sure, sure, sure. Did you? So is this the first comedy album you remember being in the house, or was there other stuff? Is this like the first thing that hit you? This is the first thing that I actually remember committing to from beginning to end. Okay. Like I have a distinct memory of lying on my brother's shag carpet. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm that old, <laughs> and just lying there on the floor with him and just listening to it play and just laughing to to the point where my stomach hurt yeah you know and i you know again a lot of the stuff went over my head but but a lot of the stuff didn't mm-hmm. you know because it was you know there was the, yeah especially the second half which is very very goofy and crazy and funny voices always make kids laugh of and, course um i knew we had a lot of monty python in in the house okay um my brother had a few of those albums um and it's also because I went from upstate New York. I'm from Rochester. So we mm-hmm. used to get the snowy Canada channels. Oh, yeah, sure. So, you know, we used to watch um, Monty Python and SCTV and all oh, those so sketch comedy shows on the, you know, the very snow. You had to move the rabbit ears just so, just right, yeah. <laughs> you know, the planets had to be aligned. But, um, <laughs> you know, so that's kind of how that kind of English slash European slash Canadian comedy sensibility entered into my brother's consciousness and yeah. then he would get the albums. Yeah. I don't think I was allowed the first record I was ever allowed to buy was Olivia Newton John's Guess Get Physical. <laughs> I think I was in the eighth grade or something. 
Um, but yeah, because I don't know if it was because I was a girl or we were an Irish Catholic house, but yeah. my brother was the only one allowed to have the the, the the comedy album. But he still snuck some da- quote unquote dangerous shit past him. It sounds like <laughs> a little bit because I do remember him like us having secret. Like I don't know if this. I'm, I might be wrong, but I keep thinking it's Sam Kinison. It was somebody who swore okay. very much. Mm-hmm. And I actually remember leaving the room thinking, oh, my God, I'm just, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah. go to hell just for even listening <laughs> to this. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, there's something about the Steve Martin also ha- kind of has that weird kind of dad quality. Yeah. Yeah. In the first <laughs> in the first half where he's like, you know, I'm an intellectual and I like to, uh, you know, I like to talk about very smart things. And, you know, even that riff, God, that, that one riff about smoking pot. Which I again did not understand what pot was, but I knew sure. smoking was bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I was like, I only smoke in the very late evening, and then in the middle to late, you know, and then the <laughs> and then he basically names like the whole day. I remember that was one of my favorite bits as a kid. I yeah. just thought that was hilarious. It's a perfect escalation. Like it's a perfect like it's a perfect misleading. Like I get that a kid would would understand it even if they don't know what pot is. They're just like, oh, that's bad, but it's yeah. funny. That's funny that he keeps doing the bad thing. You know, and everybody gets cat handcuffs. Uh huh. Uh huh. I yeah. mean, that's a joke for the ages. <laughs> it really is. You know, at eight years old, I could I could see how it was funny to put two handcuffs just in the front paws of a cat. <laughs> that's hilarious. It's funny just describing it. But you know, it's funny. I have a five year old son, mm-hmm. and um, and in listening to this album again, especially the the king tut i mean all i could think was like oh my god my kid would love this yeah 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 and listen to the lyrics of king tut again there's nothing vulgar about sure. it at no, all it's, it's true, just yeah. a really good hook mm-hmm. it's a great musical hook i mean i think that wasn't that the band that was the 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 blues brothers god i think so they're called i i think i looked at they're 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 the king king toot king toot and the untouchables or what is it oh it to, king toot and the uncommons and that's the uncommons what it is. that's what it is there we go i'm gonna i'm gonna have to look up but i'm thinking i read yeah, right. i i'm i'm not quite sure but i i i think in my sort of poking around on google about mm-hmm. this album was that this came about because he did some sort of concert with john belushi and dan Aykroyd okay. as the Blues brothers okay. and then as his sort of number to That's... participate in, they came up with this King Tut thing. And it was because he was kind of moonlighting on, on a Blues Brothers show. That's when crazy. When they were under the radar. This I had no idea. That's well, amazing. Now, don't I'm, don't take it as gospel, <laughs> but I seem to recall looking through looking at that today going, oh, yeah. that makes a hell of a lot of sense. It does. I mean, it's the, those people were all hanging out. Um, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite jokes in this whole bit, it, the whole album, and it's so stupid, but it's it, the kind of thing that I would have loved as a kid is uh where he talks about yelling movie in a f- crowded firehouse <laughs> and i don't and it's just so dumb but, but it, see yeah but i mean it's that i think that's where his philosophy degree comes in and even as a playwright you know um um what is it lapina gil it's what's the beginning picasso the lapina gil or whatever mm-hmm. you know it, it, a lot of the stuff that he writes that i know as an actor from his you know his plays and his and um, even just his like op-ed pieces that you see pop up here and then uh-huh. his tweets even. I know, yeah. You know, it's very much that philosophical um, what if kind of thing mm-hmm. not presented in a what if. Yeah. Which makes, which I'll, uh, just makes it all the more funny. Sure. You know, the, the abstract or the twisting or the opposites or the, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a thinking, it's a thinking person's game. Yeah, it really is. And that's what makes the goofiness just so, so, so much more delightful. Well, and also, when you, if you listen to it just as, just as a comic, you know, as, I'm just speaking as someone who's like a comic actor, somebody who does, com- does comedy, there's kind of nothing more satisfying than if you, because I've done a, a little bit of stand-up, not, mm-hmm. not much, but there's kind of nothing more satisfying than telling a joke 
and taking the breath to move on to the next joke and then having them get it. Yeah. It's, there's something yeah, yeah, really yeah. satisfying about having an audience need to take a moment mm -hmm. and then catch up collectively. Right. Because, you know, you can land the obvious joke, which obviously, you know, set up, shabam, laugh. Mm -hmm. You know, but if you're if you're kind of doing the stuff that he does, which mm -hmm. is you have to think about it for a second. Right. You have to stay one, two, three steps ahead. Yeah. And be prepared to move right along. He actually, oh, sh I wish I had taken a note. But he does have a joke in there that nobody can, it goes completely over everyone's yeah. head. Damn do you know it. what I'm talking about? I do, and I was listening to this in the car, so yep. I didn't get and to know. Yeah, and there was a joke. I should have written it down. Okay, but okay, this is um for you listeners out there. This mm -hmm. is your this is your <laughs> your Easter egg hunt. Mm -hmm. Is there's a there's an obvious one a very subtle joke that yep. is hilarious that the audience that entire audience misses, yeah. and he, you can hear him click it. Mm -hmm. Realize they're not, they're not going to get it. He gives them an extra se second, and he blows right onto the next one. Right, right. Which is kind of one of the golden rules of comedy is that if you, and even somewhat in stand up, you know, is if you, if the audience sees the joke coming from a mile away, you're, you're already lost. Sure. You sure. got to stay one step ahead, but you also you can't kind of wait for that laugh, right, right, because right. then you end up with like egg omelet frittata 100%. on your face. <laughs> 100%, yeah. So the, the the key to comedy is sort of an authenticity mm -hmm. of somebody not going for a laugh, whether sure. you are or not, whether you're crafting it, massaging yeah, yeah, yeah. it, but he's a master at that, where it just kind of feels like he's, you know, having a conversation. I think the first like 10 minutes of this album, mm -hmm sounds as if he's babbling. I know, I know. And you know he's not. Like, you know sure. this is the stuff that he is. He even says, I've been doing the same shtick. This is my last night in yeah. San Francisco. And there's nothing more exciting than somebody saying the exact same words over and over and over again. Right, for four weeks straight or and something. And then he does make another joke where he's like, I will get to the to the actual meat of the comedy in a minute. <laughs> but it's, it's just that kind of brilliant observation. Mm-hmm on turning a stand-up act into kind of a one-sided conversation. Yeah, yeah. While trying to be oblivious to the fact that you're he's obviously not it's oblivious at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so true. And it's I like that he manages to be successfully meta and kind of dada in a way that Andy Kaufman, don't get me wrong, he had his thing and people love him in certain circles, but he did not have this, you know. Well, he didn't have the mainstream yeah. You know, I mean, here's the thing, you know, as an entertainer, you know, and an artist, you know, there are very fine lines. Mm -hmm. And I, I worked with a really brilliant director once. His name is Hal Prince. And, okay. and in the theater world, he's like our god. Mm -hmm. um, I don't I don't know um, if your if your audience is into the theater so much, but just trust me, he's like the head honcho director of all time. Mm -hmm. And I remember once. You know, we had done a show in Chicago, mm -hmm. and we had tried it out in Chicago, and we wanted to move it into Broadway. And we had gotten some really great reviews in Chicago, but we gotten some really great critiques um, that, you know, Hal took to heart. And oh. I remember him saying very distinctly, he said, you know, you can, the, the goal is art, but if it's not at some level entertaining, what are we doing it for? Yeah, right, right. You know, because you can bring an audience in and and have them elevate their consciousness, but you have to do it without them knowing it. 100%, 100%. They have yeah. to walk out elevated, but not have any idea how it happened. Right. And I always remember that, you know, as an actor and as somebody who does comedy, you know, if you're gonna do something meta, if you're gonna do something data, if you're gonna, you know, go out into the hinterlands of mm -hmm. something, you have to stay 
solidly tethered to the center bullseye so that it it has a point. Right. Because yeah. if you go too far off the rails, then it's really just, uh, you know, an exercise in masturbation 100%. if you'll, if nope, you'll allow me exactly what i was gonna say too you, that's 100 you know, percent right it's, yeah it's and we all we've all been there we've all seen those shows we've all seen those stand-up acts mm-hmm. you know so it's a very very tricky thing that he does and, I, and again i'm a big fan of andy kaufman as well sure but i feel like you know and you know i i'm sure a big part of andy kaufman had no desire oh, yeah. to to entertain ultimately right. i think his uh, main part of his desire was to uh, elevate and evolve and if you didn't you know fuck you um, which was in itself fascinating sure. but I think one of the reasons why Steve Martin is so successful and has had such a long term career in so many different facets mm-hmm. is because I think he always remembers that at the very end of the day you know the point is to not alienate an audience but to yeah. to reach them in a, in a new way and encourage them to maybe elevate their thoughts or their humor mm-hmm. um, without making them feel like they're being schooled. You know, the more you're talking about this, the more it's getting me thinking about, because he used to, he before this and before he was Steve Martin, he just wrote for the Smothers Brothers. And did he really? He did. I and did what's great that. is if you watch some old clips, there's a, there's a great documentary called Smothered that came out probably 10 years ago, <laughs> and it's all about the censorship battle. There's oh. clips of him on the show, though, reading, playing, playing a writer, and he's got fucking full black hair. Right. Which is crazy. He, he went white quick and like instantly. But um, the idea that he worked on this show that was like notorious, I almost leaned away from the microphone, notorious for being edgy mm, and yeah. also being heavy in the pop culture. Eventually, and I think they know this, they went up their own ass a little bit. But at some point, they were exactly what you're talking about, this perfect confluence of pop and art. You know? Yeah. Which, you know, is, is a very, very delicate balance. Yeah. yeah. And... Um, you know, it's a it's kind of an old school showman sensibility with mm-hmm. a with a new school sort of liberal. I mean, I don't want to say liberal, but you know that sort of philosophical, sure, uh, open mindedness that I yeah. think is is kind of amazing. It's true as to what he does. The episode we just did yesterday and like released immediately after we were talking about uh, another Steve Martin album, "Comedy Is Not Pretty," but we also because I had two people on. They decided to both do their own albums. Who did George Mar- George Carlin's Class Clown at the oh, same time? Yes. And like they kind of the the more we're talking about it, the more I'm also realizing that there's this weird social significance. But it's only it's so not on the surface at all here. Whereas we talked about it yesterday, Carlin was very much like this is I have a thing to say. Sometimes you'd be a little heavy handed. Yeah, there's there's you couldn't accuse Steve Martin of being heavy handed. You know, and here's the thing: the what's also brilliant about him is if there's anybody that's a butt of a joke, it's him. Hundred percent. You know, and that's also another way to sort of invite an audience in. Yeah. They, you know, they feel. I mean, some audiences like to go to to you know uh, to be abused. Mm-hmm. You know, that's part of the fun. Mm-hmm. Going to, I mean, I'm, I'm blanking on examples at the moment, but danger field, right? Exactly. Dice clay. You know, they yeah. they enjoy it. They enjoy the danger of, oh my god, are they going to point me out, or are they? Yeah. Gonna, you know, but with with Steve Martin stuff, again, he was never vulgar. Yeah. Unless, except for, like, I think on this <laughs> album, just two exceptions. <laughs> and what's brilliant about it is that he saves it. Yeah. yeah. So that when he does say the word fuck, or yeah. he does do a play on the word pussy. Yeah. It it's. It has an effect. I know. You know, after a while, like even, you know, Eddie Murphy, Raw, or whatever, you know, you just, after a while, you just don't hear it anymore. No, exactly, and you just yeah. kind of get like desensitized. And so what's really great is he very, very, very specifically 
picks those two mm-hmm. with the intention that you're going to not forget it. Yeah. Because it would be so unusual. All of a sudden, this guy like says the word, you know, that cat was the best fuck of my life or whatever he says, you know. Um, but yeah, the fact that, that, that audiences can feel safe you know, going in, going into a Steve Martin show, I would imagine, like these, yeah. whereas that they always know that they're free to laugh at him, sure, <laughs> with him, yeah. at him, um, which is, you know, another really great uh, kind of way to, oh, my God, can we talk about the nonconformity? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> now, so, of course, that went over my head when I was a kid, and of course, I'm listening to it this morning, and I'm laughing my balls off at it, mm-hmm. because I... It, you know, the whole, like, I, I would say, I will, you know, now, uh, repeat after me, and blah, blah, blah. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be here, blah, 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 blah. Now, repeat the nonconformity agreement, <laughs> which is, you know, I will be unique. I will be unique. I will be different. I will be different. I will not repeat anything anybody tells me to repeat. I will. And ah! it dies so brilliantly. I love it. But again, there's that pause. Yeah. There's that pause where they, yeah. where your audience doesn't, you know just sit back they're forced to you know yeah. they have to lean forward they have to participate mm-hmm. and if they're not <laughs> thinking then you know they miss out and he's so willing to give them the dessert too he's willing to do his he does his character his uh the saturday night live character twice you know he does a couple other bits that are like clearly See, like, but that's a smart showman yeah. i you know because and that's that's also an, an artist who has his ego in check and knows knows that these people have come for for that sure so you know, he gets to do the stuff he wants to do, and he gets to give them what they want. Mm-hmm. That's a smart showman. For sure. For sure. You know, and there's a lot of artists, I'm sure, who would just be like, you know, oh, God, if I have to sing King Tut one more time. <laughs> right. I'm a, I'm a three-dimensional being. I have thoughts. <laughs> I have, I've evolved. I have, that was 10 years ago. <laughs> you know, um, some, an artist who's more insecure and more, has more ego-driven Mm-hmm. Will you know? But again, he uses that as a joke. For sure. He he sets everybody up to think that he's one of those guys, mm-hmm. and then he delivers. Absolutely. Which is you know, brilliant. Do you think that is it? I mean, it could just be me, and it could be the fact that it's hard to cut around a very loud audience as opposed. To, but it seems like the second side, there's a lot of cutting around. Like it seems like it was a much longer show with a bunch of shit we didn't get to hear. Yeah. It's like there are a lot of really bad cuts in it, which is it just happens. But. It was it was strange. And then of course, as I'm listening to it, I'm remembering, oh, they had to have tracks mm-hmm. on the albums, yeah, didn't they? Right. Like they kind of had to separate it. Mm-hmm. And it is. I mean, I would love to know the reasons why. Oh, why did they cut that there? It sure. sounds like he was in the middle of something. Exactly. What happened? And I want to know what else. Was I up know. There. I mean, there's so many things. It could have been a heckler. It could mm-hmm. have been he. You know, said something that he thought, okay, that's fine for this house, but I don't want it to be like preserved right. forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because you know, I mean, have you ever done stand up? No. You know, I mean, you gotta go again. I'm talking personal, limited personal experience. Mm-hmm. But you know, to to do successful stand up, even tangent tangential, what is that in that way? Tangentially. Tangentially, that's it. You know, you've got to open a part of your brain that leaves room um, for whatever happens. Like sure. I think even in the first half, like a baby, somebody brought their two year old. <laughs> what know. the hell? I know. Somebody brought their two year old baby. 
to Steve to a stand up Steve Martin show, which apparently cost four dollars, which he $4. mentions a lot. Yeah, how's it, how old's that child? Two, um, two years. I got a joke for. Him. I got a great joke for. <laughs> these, these two lesbians walk into. <laughs> like... But again, see, that's the part of the brain when you're doing stand up that always has to be open and yeah. active. And depending on like, if you watch Kathy Griffin, mm-hmm. where she hardly has any notes. Right, 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 right. I would say she's eighty five percent open for business anything goes and she just whatever comes into her head comes out her mouth sure it's a much more dangerous way of doing comedy which i would not imagine would be his jam he seems to be like i've you know i've got my my highway this is my turn off this is my if i need to go and get my car checked or more gas but i think he's he's one of these guys who like really maps it out yeah yeah um but you know there there is that that part of the brain that's always got to stay stay alive and awake mm-hmm. and he you know you can hear that and so i'm you know i'm wondering oh man did he just kind of like you know did somebody you know is he reacting to something or did he just go off on a tangent that he regretted right 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 <laughs> yeah that's a good call which yeah. sounds unlikely mm-hmm. and yet you know there is i'm going to have to pull it up on my phone so i'm not being rude i'm going to pull up something that i think exists and if i'm wrong then i'm i'm an idiot but let me i'm going to pull something up here but Speaking though of hecklers, he yeah. does handle the one heckler that it was not even a heckler. They just say yes. something stupid. You know, and I was thinking, uh, just comparing hecklers from then to now, mm-hmm. it was a very, it, 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 you know, an, an innocuous, some dumb like, you know, are you from Maine? It was something like it was really, <laughs> like compared to the hecklers now who are just borderline. Oh God, yeah, abusive. Yeah, yeah. He's lucky he's or not a woman. Not even borderline, just completely abusive. Sure, yeah. Yeah, look it up. But it, it, what did he say? What did the guy say? Uh, I'm trying to find that. I'm trying to see. Is this son of a bitch? My apologies. I'm just. Oh, you know what? This that's what this is. So, um, if you want to know what was on Steve Martin's mind as he's writing it, they released these limited like interviews that were basically podcasts on record. Somebody's like, "Hey, how did you write this special?" No. My buddy Taylor takes a lot of albums and he remasters them out of his own pocket because he wants people to be able to hear them because you can't buy them anywhere. That's I'll amazing. send you a link to this so oh, you can hear yes, it. Please. Um, so it does exist. If you guys go to Fuji Puzzle Box, it's taylorjessen.blogspot.com. I'll put links in there. His stuff is amazing and this is one that you should listen to because it's a perfect companion to this but that's exactly i want to find out exactly what we're talking about like how much because i do know he's very tightly planned this stuff but there's so much in here it sounds like clearly they cut some stuff out yeah definitely it's the stuff in the middle and then it picks up in the middle Mm -hmm. and there's no way he well, okay, I won't say there's no way, but I think there's very few plans. There's like, Grandpa's got a rubber. Like, I don't think, I don't know that he planned it <laughs> no, out I when it was going in. I think that's the part you know? where he was thinking, what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next? And that was the open part of his brain covering <laughs> yep. for him as he was Rolodexing. Mm-hmm. And you can hear him too, actually. He does Rolodex. Yeah. Um, where he goes, where he gets distracted by the baby. <laughs> yes, that's right. And he yeah. kills with so that. I've I got a great joke, joke for her. Yeah, yeah, two yeah. lesbians walk to a bar. But then he gets thrown off and he Rolodex and he goes, and he says, did I say this? Did I say this? Did I say this? Did I say that? Did I say this? Oh, yeah. And then this. And then, okay. And then he's back on track. But that's kind of why I think he is yeah. like, a, he's got a map. He's definitely right. a map user. But he can use that forgetfulness as a bit, which is, Jesus, Brilliant. that's fantastic. Yeah. I don't know how anybody, good God. But his response to that guy was something like, oh, I remember when I had my read my first book or something uh, like that. My first beer. When I had my first <laughs> Yes, that's, I that's remember right. when yeah, I had yeah, my yeah. first beer. That's so, so, so good. And here's the thing. He's such, he's got such a mastery on delivery that mm-hmm. it sounds like he's never said that before. Yeah. But it's, I, know. I mean, it's such a brilliant, you know, he must get. I would say a heckler a night, maybe. You would, maybe it's you more would think now. So. But at the time, it was way more, probably more affectionate. Like this guy didn't seem like he was being a no, dick. No, no, he you was know? clearly drunk. Yeah, he was just clearly drunk just drunk off silly. his ass. 
yeah. wanting to play. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he didn't shut him down. He just, you know, was like, oh, you're adorable. Yeah, right, right, right. Moving on. Yeah, it's different now. I just, I don't know if this is off topic, but I just read an article about a, um, a comedian who kind of left the business. Mm-hmm. I, I forget if he was at UCB or something. Um, Asian American mm-hmm. uh, comedian who, I guess the heckling for him, just especially in recent months, has become incredibly abusive and racially related and he talks very you know about heckling which is what i was thinking about when i listened to this guy you know go hey i love you you know that's what heckling kind of used to be yeah so you could respond you know very blithely with Mm -hmm. uh you know but i guess heckling now has become that's insane a, a, a very abusive scary not worth it thing like the 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 the, community i wish i could remember his name but you know he said i distinctly remember going leaving stage downing like three shots Mm -hmm. and thinking that's it i'm done wow and i think the last sentence of his his uh blog or whatever he had written was you know because i am excellent and i demand excellence Mm -hmm. from the people around me and i thought good for you god damn it no that's that's gutsy i mean it's the thing is like heckling shouldn't happen but if it's going to, make it about the material. Well, now let me you t- know what talk I mean? about the material for a second. Because, again, in my Amazon.com mm-hmm. adventure, oh, which, again, I love. Uh-huh. I love. I could get lost in a wormhole of Amazon.com reviews oh, on anything because yeah. people are fascinating. Um, some of the comments were that they felt the material was dated. I disagree. I also I feel disagree. it's timeless. Yeah. But are we not objective on this? It's possible. It's quite possible. Because <laughs> we love Steve Martin so much. I, I mean, I don't, I wonder what What's they're saying. What's dated? Yeah. There's no references. I mean, the lyrics are... in Tut are honky and sure. they're, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. dated. But yeah. I mean, you know, that's a song. And it's not Christ even the best sake. part of the album. No, it's, it's, you know what? Surprisingly, it's not, is it? You know, it's just like that's there. Again, it's audience, it's fan service. And it's fine. It's like, it's not a bad song. It's a fun, goofy song, but it's not the best part. Of yeah. The I mean, he album. talks about Da Vinci and Jean-Paul Sartre. And I mean, mm-hmm. like, I don't think that's, that's not really dated. I if don't you think, think so that's too, either dated you need to i mean there's so much <laughs> educate yourself exactly and i mean like philosophers he he there's so many things he could have done like there's not an ounce of it that is I, I don't know like he doesn't even seem quaintly racist or quaintly sexist none of that shit happens you know what i mean it's like, amazing well, he's a little sexist but only mm, when he's playing a sexist character 100 yeah, yeah yeah do you know what i mean the yeah. humor is actually very feminist yeah oh yeah but if you're not again if you're like if you're the person who says chief martin seems rather full of himself <laughs> yeah you're going to think that he's a sexist jerk because you're not going to yeah. go that extra mile and go, oh, no, he's actually commenting. That actually brings me that's a funny story. Again, I will go on tangents, but I just did a production of um, an all-female Taming the Shrew with Judy Gold. I was going to ask you about this. Who, of course, is one of the most brilliant female – well, I don't want to say female. That's not fair. One of the most brilliant stand-up comics, mm-hmm. regardless of gender, sure. that we have. And um, she was, we had this big piece of, this big, huge set piece that was mechanical. Okay. And you know, when you're working outside with raccoons and, you know, (laughs) wind and rain and shit, you know, stuff breaks. Mm -hmm. And so she was kind of our fail safe Mm -hmm. that if we had, you know, technical difficulties, which did happen frequently, because again, we're outside, what are you going to do? She would go out. Now she's dressed as a man and she actually was, she had chosen... Um, to be a very chauvinistic man okay. for her character. She was Gremio, okay. which is technically, in when you do Tammy the Shrew, the dirty old man. Yeah, but yeah. she kind of modeled him a bit after Donald Trump. Okay. And um, before, <laughs> this is in the summer. This yeah, is before yeah, yeah. all this crazy stuff came out. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of had his number back in the, back in you know May. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and she was uh, she would come out, you know, technical difficulties. She'd come out and just do this monologue as a sexist sort of Donald Trump rich businessman guy. And there was a woman one night, a young woman, who mm-hmm. screamed out, you know, stop. Oh, no. And we were like, we were all confused. We were like, wait, what? She was like, that's sexist. You're sexist. And literally, like, Judy Cole like, took a say, She uh. was like, you realize I have tits and a uterus, right? <laughs> you realize that I'm actually... But it was fascinating to us yeah. because, because of course, all of us in the cast were like, oh my God, who is this girl? Is she drunk? What's going on? Yeah, yeah, How yeah. can she not understand? Has she watched this show the whole time and thinking that we're all men? Like right. what? It's like my, all of our worlds just flipped. Woof. Holy crap. No, it was just someone who did not, literally did not understand the whole point of doing an all-female production of one of the most misogynistic, yeah, or the most misogynistic the most. play ever written by Shakespeare. Right. Yeah. Can I tell you? I I love going. I do. I go to Shakespeare in the park up here every year in Yay! Griffith Park. I love it so so much. It's the best. And when they did Taming of the Shoe, I was like, that's the only time I I, I wish I hadn't come. I had never seen the it's play. Gen- never read the play. I was like, well, fuck. And then when I found out you were doing that, I'm like, oh, that's the only way to make that show good. Mm-hmm. This is the only way. We had a. But you all play male characters too, though. Like you switched. Like you, you, you. We you had. Didn't make we them had two women characters. play women. Right. The like Kate and Bianca, mm-hmm. and then all the other characters, mm-hmm. which are male, uh, were played by women. The whole company was women. The whole so crew great. was was women. Awesome. The whole the whole shebang. Jesus, that's awesome. Uh, director, choreographer. What about the raccoons that screwed the stuff up? Were they also women? You know, <laughs> I don't think so. But they were there first, so no nobody argues with the raccoons. It's no, just true. certain death. You don't take on those raccoons. No, of course, of course. Uh, but time speaking, just speaking as timeless material. Yes. You know, it's. I think. I think his stuff is timeless. I think so too. I mean, I I'm I'm welcome to have anybody uh, object to that assertion, but I can't think of anything in there yeah Maybe besides i will the give the yeah the lyrics in the song i will say honky is yes mm-hmm. we won't call that dated yeah yeah but no i mean his you know his stuff about dating and his stuff about you know what's my name and uh-huh you know even some of the less success i mean is the whole album like a bullseye no but i sure. mean uh, nobody's set ever is there's always you know peaks and valleys for sure and, you know and i'm kind of glad because you know sometimes like you watch these like hbo specials and mm-hmm. You know, you could see that the valleys have been edited out, and it's almost exhausting to watch. Yeah, because in I think in a stand-up performance, and I think especially with a with a brilliant artist like Steve Martin, he's he's put those valleys in. Yeah, to give the audience a chance to breathe, to to recuperate. You know, to I mean, because any good comedian knows that you know you can't smash people with punchlines all night long for sure because they're gonna peter out. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're doing a comedic scene in the theater or in film and television, you know, you don't you don't try and make every line that you have funny. Mm-hmm. You try to map it out with whoever you're playing with and you need, you know, you go, okay, that's a setup, that's a setup, that's a setup, that's a yeah. setup, 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 slam, back down. Right. And I, I love kind of the fact on this album that they've left the, some of the valleys in, mm-hmm. which is important just in, in listening to it. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, if you're constantly, everything's, you know, then everything, you kind of get desensitized to how funny everything is. For sure. You know, I get that. And I, even on the even on the second side, which, again, like I said, some of the cuts are weird. There are, like, gaps around the stuff that he's, some of them seem, like, modular, like, just one little piece where it's just like, here's a funny bit, and then fade out to another 
sketch. Oh, see, like I wish piece. I honestly, I wish I had like we had done this like five years ago, right before I worked with him, because I would have literally sat him down and been like, "Okay, brass right. tacks." Right, 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 one hundred percent. Explain this to me. <laughs> I'm gonna keep trying to get him on the show. I don't care. I know he won't ever do it. You know, he he's like to talk very about he, he he doesn't like to talk about himself. No, yeah, I get that. I mean, he's incredibly shy. I'd find a way to frame it. Yeah, listen, can we talk about this asshole who do this asshole who's performing stand up? Because if you maybe if I got him to talk about the character he was playing right. as another person, that's the only thing I can think of. Or, yeah, I don't know. He'd he's be, very dapper though. He yeah, used, he's a very dapper dresser. That's interesting. Which is to another me. fun thing. He's always got his hat. Mm-hmm. Kind of seer. I mean, again, it was the summer, but he's like seer sucker suit in his nice. vest and just always dapper that's so good but very 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 like i i mean I, we didn't become chums but sure. i mean we had a working relationship and you know even then like if you saw him coming from down the hall you know you'd be like hi steve and he kind of you know kind of nod his head and like, oh, hi. that's the impression i get okay you know he's very shy yeah God. i mean i mean you know except i'm sure with his personal close friends but uh, right, I mean, right right he doesn't know he doesn't like to talk about himself i brought up one thing with him which was random because my brother was obviously a huge fan as well. And mm-hmm. I guess he used to hand out these business cards. Do you uh, know this story? Uh, I think. He, he had a whole bunch of, at the height of his fame, he was getting stopped. He couldn't walk down the Constantly street in New York sure, and yeah. Chicago. And so he made up these business cards that mm-hmm. said, hello, you have officially met Steve Martin. That's right. Yes. Okay. Because he, <laughs> he just, you know, he was shy and it was a way for him to give something to people. Mm-hmm. Instead of an autograph, it was a way, you know, just be like, I actually met Steve Martin. I got one of his cards. It was like Willy right, Wonka. You right. know, I got one of the golden tickets. <laughs> and so I actually, I think on a break or whatever, I remember, you know, kind of saying, do you still have those? Do you still hand out those business cards? And I remember him just kind of blushing and going, oh, no, no, no. I, he said, I haven't needed those business cards. And he <laughs> said, no, that was just a, that was just a thing that I did for, you know, I don't do that anymore. But it was, it was so what was most fascinating was his, his kind of, he got, he just got, he's, he blushed and. It was just sort of this kind of adorable, you know, I think he was like, oh, no, 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 I don't have any of those anymore. That was just a joke. And That's so funny. But he's, yeah, he's very. He's a silent, nerdy type. He very much is. Doing... My impression of him is no, no, I don't know. That's him, everything I've ever heard. Yeah. And I, mean, I don't mean yeah. nerdy is an insult. I, I, I think then it's perfect to that he's doing a parody of gregariousness. Like that's yeah, the yeah, ultimate yeah. thing. Parody of bad comedy, a parody of gregariousness, a parody of things he doesn't want to do and things he might be incapable of except for on stage. Well, yeah, you know? he leans in for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, like even the voice he uses, just like that, uh, like that, that just that, that guttural <laughs> thing that comes in when he's doing. Oh, I got a question uh, for yeah. you. Identify the accent of the wild and crazy guys. Because I was listening to it because uh-huh. I thought, this is borderline, quote, unquote, offensive, which is not mm. something he does. Sure, sure, sure. So then I was like, who would get upset? Is it, is it Italian? No. Uh-huh, wait, right. Is it Slavic? Wait, no. Well, wait, is it German? What is it? Uh-huh. I realized I can't identify that accent, which, again, is mm-hmm. one more <laughs> example of his brilliance. I, oh, I agree. I think so. No uh, one now, can get offended at it because no, it's not really. No, not really. No, and I, I look, it's suppo- they're supposed to be Czech, but it's this goofy version of oh, Eastern Europe. Yeah, but it's like, it's not a but real, it's not clearly really, not a real though. one. No, it's like a Cause goofy. Because it sounds Italian a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's funny, too, because I remember Rachel Bloom, we, and we, um, uh, we were our second episode is is up tomorrow, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Santino Fontana has a has a musical number where he's singing an Irish drinking song about not drinking. Okay, <laughs> and it was after she filmed it, and I'm I you know I'm I'm the Irish person on the show, and 
It's like a week after she filmed, we, they filmed it. I mean, mm-hmm. they had conceived it, they wrote it, they recorded uh-huh. it, like all these hundreds of steps and like had shot it. It was in the can. And I think she was looking at it post. she comes up, she goes, oh my God, I forgot to ask, is it offensive? <laughs> she said, oh my God, as an Irish person, are you, are you offended by that song? She's like, oh my God, it's so late. It's too late. If I've, have I offended the entire <laughs> Irish community? I was like, first of all, honey. You can't offend Irish yeah, people. Yeah, right. That's so one. good call if you're gonna pick. If you're gonna pick somebody to make fun of, who's gonna have a good sense of humor about it? It's the Irish. We're yeah. gonna that, we're gonna find that hilarious. Hundred percent. But it was just funny because that was on my mind because she yeah. had such a panic attack about it. <laughs> oh no! That I went as I'm listening to it, going, "Oh my gosh, what complaints from what tourism board of what country?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "You can't really. You can't. You can pretend like." And again, like I said, I I had to look it up based on that to see that it was because it was a bit with Dan Aykroyd right the wild and crazy guys and they had those I don't even know if they ever say check on maybe they do but like it's clearly like I think there's also the joke that no one in America knows anything about Czech people yeah so therefore the accent could be anything the attitude could be anything plus I mean go back to when was this how many years ago 20 50 50 years ago (laughs) or whatever (laughs) you know people people were not as I don't want to say politically correct but I don't know. People had a a higher tolerance, I guess, for, sure. for that kind of joke. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just no, saying no, no. if you think 50 years ago what the, you know, what the environment was for those kind of jokes, people. Yeah. You know, people it's, it's... didn't have too much trouble. You know, I'm just thinking, though, back to that note that he gave me in As You Like It. Now, just thinking about the kind of comedian he is. He is actually, I forgot, it was, he's incredibly technical mm-hmm. to the point where I almost couldn't. Um, figure out what he was saying. It was like, you know, okay, say the line, then lean in, then you put your hand here, and then blah, 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 blah. You oh, know, my God. Which is now, I'm, you know, even thinking and talking about the album, you know, I would I would imagine there's as much technique as we suppose is behind it, mm-hmm. even in the effortless effortlessness way and the way he speaks. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that it it's there's even more than we. God, that's, you know, I thought supposed. when you were going to say technical, like, I thought you were just going to say a line reading. But no. No. Wow. no, I remember very distinctly because I remember being so upset that I couldn't um, catch it. Okay. Because you normally, somebody gives you a note, especially Steve Martin, yeah. you want to be like, oh, yeah, got it. Sure, Steve. And I remember sitting there, like, with my, my partner was Oliver Platt. Oliver Platt and I, part, Holy we shit. played opposite each other. Holy shit. So, I mean, I think he felt comfortable coming over because obviously he knew Oliver, Oliver Platt very mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And it was this bit where Oliver had to like put his hand over my shoulder and okay. then graze my, you know, okay. my breast sure, or whatever. Sure, sure, I mean, sure. it's, as you, it's as you like it. Yeah, of it's, course. Yeah. You know, body Shakespeare. And he really was. He was like, okay, now you put your hand there, and okay, now you lean in. Now mm-hmm. you know, you put your face here. Now you look, and now you say the line. And it was, God, that's like painting of, with actors. That's insane. Exactly. It was. It was very. Wow. Well, he mentions even on this album what a fan he is of Da Vinci. And sure. It's it's kind of it's kind of great that. You know, Da Vinci is, of course, the 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 king of a master of many trades. Sure. Yeah. You know, and in a way, so is Steve Martin. That's perfect. Yeah. You know, yeah. is he an artist as well? I'm sure he is. I'm I know sure. he, he collects a shitload of art and pays a lot of money for art. I don't know if he paints himself. He I might. wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't either. Not at all. <laughs> God, that's perfect. Um, do you have? Okay, so let's say somebody. You know what? This is actually easy. People who know Steve Martin now might know him from his movies and even his latter day movies, not like even the jerk, like younger people who might be listening. Yeah. What's a good reason to recommend this album to listen to if you've never heard it or even heard his comedy? Maybe you just know his movies. Well, actually, I think um, the fact that it's kind of two albums in one. 
Yeah. I think is a huge plus because you got the first half, which for, you know, it uh, appeals to more of the quiet people who appreciate more quiet ph philosophical comedy. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second half, which is much more of his broad, funny voices, mm -hmm. you know, strange, seemingly, you know, seeming tensions, but I doubt it. Um, you know, and then the King Tut. And so I think it's actually a great album if if you're not familiar with Steve Martin, because it kind of gives you two sides of the same coin. Yeah. You know, in a weird way, you've got him in an intimate setting, mm -hmm. which clearly costs four dollars to get in. Mm -hmm. I'd say it sounds like a house of what? 70, 80 people. Maybe. Most. Yeah. Um, and then you've got him clearly in a huge house with thousands of people. It sounds like at least 2000 people to mm -hmm. me. Um you know, so you've got a different energy there. So you've you kind of got two different Steve Martins. I have a question for you. Yeah. How much time passed between the the first half and the second half? Because it sounds to me like a year. Oh, is in terms of when the actual recording. You know, I only found the names of the venues because the first one is because his style is, is so. That? Now, granted, mm -hmm. he may have adjusted his style from small house to big house, which mm -hmm. we all do as sure. actors in the theater. You know, you play to a small house, you do this. Play mm -hmm. to a big house, you got to do this. Because you got to hit the back row wherever you are. Yeah. So it might just be two different styles of him working in two different size houses. Yeah. Which is, you know, makes total sense. But it also sounds to me like he'd had enough time to establish those characters on SNL for them to be famous and mm -hmm. for him to be getting to a point where he was ready to move on. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good question. I don't, it, it didn't say anywhere like on Wikipedia. It feels like at least a year, if not two, which makes no sense at all, right. Knowing, right. knowing how albums were made back then and how yeah. they would, you know, crank them out, especially these And he these had three albums. albums in a year, if I'm not, or no, not in a year, but one after the other. So that was 77, this is 78, and then Comedy's Not Pretty, I think, is 79. I just wonder if, like, that so stuff know. from that San Francisco nightclub because even the way he talks about himself, it doesn't doesn't sound like he's established yet. It sounds like he's right. working That's a, in a small point. room. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I'm wondering if that was like you know those old reels, those those tapes or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wonder if it was just a bunch of reels that he had in his attic or whatever, right. and then they were putting this album together. Especially if he put out a bunch of albums at once. Right. And he was like, you know what? We don't have enough material from that big amphitheater that mm -hmm. I played. Why don't you throw these reels from when I did the San Francisco gig? Mm -hmm. I'm completely, it's clear, <laughs> you know, clearly I'm guessing. Right. But when you listen to the album, it's, it's not only a distinct, for me anyway, a distinct difference in the size of the house. It's a distinct difference in style mm -hmm. and, um, sort of like an establishment of him and his catchphrases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. I know he for sure wrote the joke about that leads into the bit. You know, it had to have been close because, yeah, he wrote the joke about mo going to a bigger theater, blah, 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 with the intention of then the fade up joke. So I think it, it had to have been close. Was that the intention, closer. though? Yeah, for, I mean, or was at it least a happy from accident? everything I saw. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, I, what I want to do is, like I said, everybody go to taylorjessen.blogspot.com. I think you're going to get a lot more in. There's there are Monty Python ones too, by the way. There's oh God, some, some of these like these great back background. But also, interviews. you know, the musical stuff too is always a, you know, even with like Zach Galifianakis. I mean, there's yeah. if you if you add just, if, you know, when they add mu musical elements to anything, and then he went on to like do the jerk with and he burned to Peters and he that, yeah. you know sings with her and. You know, I, I, I think the musical element is great. too, And you can listen to it, honestly, with your kids around. I listened to this when I was seven, eight years old. Mm -hmm. 
and I loved it and yeah. I did not get half of it but I still <laughs> found it funny and I have a five-year-old son and I'm gonna go home after this and I'm gonna play him King Tut that's awesome you know so it's actually you know something you can share with your kids mm -hmm. if you have kids but um which is cool because I had never yeah. really thought about I share music with my son, mm -hmm. but I hadn't thought about sharing stand-up, and and this whole thing brought back what a what a huge part of my relationship with my brother yeah was was just lying on his floor listening to Steve Martin and and Monty Python and, yeah that's good and all that stuff and it's it's a great I don't know it's it's something to share with your with your family that's perfect yeah um, where can we find you online what do you have to promote I know what you have to promote. <laughs> I am on um, a show called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yes, indeed. On The CW, which is network. Everyone thinks it's on cable. It is not. It's network. You don't need a cable package. You get it on your TV. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so that's, you know, the good news. We're in our second season. Um, our lead, um, Rachel Bloom, is phenomenal. And she's won a whole bunch of awards. She's won a Golden Globe, Critics' Choice. Mm -hmm. Our show just won two Emmys. Awesome. Um, so, you know, we're fancy, Yep. um, but it's super funny. And we also, we have, uh, music on the show. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if you dig comedy mm -hmm. and interspersed with music, you would completely, totally dig our show and you should watch it. It's my favorite show on TV. And we've so. got like for real bonafide, like, um, you know, singers and dancers and, you know, people from. Um, the Broadway and people from the West Coast mm -hmm. and people from all over, people from Chicago. Stand, you know, we've got Pete Gardner's from the stand-up yeah. circuit in Chicago, and yeah. we do a lot of improv on the show. Um, so a lot of that stuff ends up in the final take. And Rachel's from she did used, did she do used to be? Good question. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah she, she and her, I know her husband is still very much uh, mm -hmm. Dan Gregor, right? Who is also a writer on our show, right? Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm promoting yeah um up until recently i had a website but i i let i let it go <laughs> it was so it was so embarrassing that i like it, the upkeep on it was so humiliatingly sure old pain in the ass, yeah. i actually just got rid of it i thought yeah. you know what i just can't it's an albatross at this point it's okay you're on an emmy winning show now. <laughs> i know it just made me look like I, you know i just thought this isn't making me look good <laughs> um i have i have a kid i you know yeah. I, I can barely get up in the morning um twitter are you on twitter i'm on twitter I believe my... T I should know this, shouldn't I? I should what know is it. I'm is the it host DL of the Chamblin? show. I think so. That sounds I, jo I joined the Twitter uh -huh. um, when our show started last year. Okay. Um, merely because the show uh, was afraid that if I didn't establish myself on Instagram and Twitter that somebody who watched the show... Uh -huh. Friend or foe, sure. you know, might create something in my name and they didn't want that to happen. So, yeah. so yep. I'm still new to it. But I do, I do participate in it, especially when um, we live tweet our episodes. That's awesome. Which are Friday nights at nine, mm -hmm. um, unless we're shooting. I, I, sh I was on the set um, on our premiere last week, so it was Rachel. We were mm -hmm. both like, "And the show's happening. I hope it's good." <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, every Friday night there's usually at least one or two or three cast members who are live tweeting. So that's super mm -hmm. fun. So that's hashtag Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Awesome. Yes, you are DL Champ. Is that way. okay? Yep, good. You're and my Instagram correct. is unnecessarily complicated because <laughs> I just didn't know what the hell I was doing when I created it. It's something ridiculous like Donna, then lower slash, what do you call that? Uh, underscore. Underscore, really? Mm -hmm. Underscore mm -hmm. as in music underscore? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Donna under or Donna underscore Lynn with an E underscore Champlin. Okay. It's uh, it's unnecessarily long, but 
I also lied earlier. We've had four people from the show on, on the podcast. Who else? You had uh, Rachel, uh, me, mm-hmm. uh, 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 Aileen, and then oh. Jack Dolgen also was on the oh, show. Jack. Through Rachel. Like, Isn't he awesome? What albums? Did, I know what Rachel did. What did Aileen and he, Jack do? Uh, he picked, okay, she picked uh, Fiddler on the Roof, which, you know, it's got some com- comedy Aileen? stuff in it. Yeah, she did. Oh, I love it. Yeah, and then Jack picked one of the 2,000-year-old man albums. I think it was the first one. Brilliant. Yeah, it was so much fun talking with him. You know, Mel Brooks, um, Rachel is a huge fan. She, yeah. she wanted him to be on the show, and he was unfortunately unable to 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 do it to, to obviously schedule. He's getting really things to do, yeah. but he he called her personally. Holy! And shit. we have this. I'm sure she'll put it on. She'll put it on Twitter at some point when it was because we were shooting, mm-hmm. and she was all of a sudden she was like, "Oh my god, I have to take a break. I'm sorry." And like we were like, "Oh my god, is she okay?" <laughs> and then you know, ten minutes later, she comes back and she's like, "I just talked to." Mel Brooks for like 10 minutes oh my god and um uh, there's a beautiful picture I don't know who took it I think it might have been Aline of her like sitting outside in the parking lot like just she looks like she's 10 years old (laughs) and the look on her face is just you know so yeah that's um that's it's fitting that Jack would have picked one of those albums because everybody's a crazy Mel Brooks fan Uh, no no doubt about it well you know it couldn't have happened to a nicer person and I mean I I think we can all agree my podcast is the reason she's now famous I'm just so happy to have helped with that (laughs) Fuck me! That would be the worst thing. To no, no, every oh. everything helps. Everything is a part mm-hmm. of it. I didn't know we could pick musical yeah, albums. Anything that came out on vinyl, I will tell you. I mean, I broke the rules several. I let her talk about her own album once. Who like, Rachel? Yeah, because I'm like, I want her well, to come sure. back on the show, and she's so much fun. And honestly, it's one of my favorite comedy albums ever. It's hers is so brilliant. Oh well, then I'll let you. I'm gonna send you a copy of my album. I didn't Fuck do stand up, yeah. but I don't care. I oh my god, I want to come back and talk about something musical theater because okay. you know that's like that's I kind of thought that's jam. what you would pick. I thought that's what you would pick. Do you know so. the email that I got was like it seemed to be very expressly. Oh okay, no, vinyl. see that it can be anything. But I was thrilled as long like, as it's a funny show. That does that's all that matters. Oh no, this is um, but this is great though because it it really I I have to thank you for kind of bringing me down this trip to memory lane because I you know my brother and I have been talking about it that's and then good. you know. Awesome. He's, we, it's, it, no, it's actually been great. I mean, it all, everything works out for or the way it's supposed to, but yeah, no, I want to come back and I'll pick okay. like, have, has anyone dr- done Drowsy Chaperone with you yet? Talk no. about meta. Mm-mm, Do you know that show? I don't know. Okay. All I'm going to say is the whole show is about a man called Man in Chair who takes his, his most prized vinyl recording of a musical from like 1920 and the whole musical is about him mm-hmm. discussing the album of this musical called The Drowsy Chaperone. It's, it's like this great. meta upon meta upon meta. I had no idea that that's what that was about. I've heard of it, but that's great. Oh my God, it's Fuck, so funny. That would be fun. It's one of the funniest shows I've ever seen. That's awesome. Okay. Well, you should come back. Oh, Definitely good. come back. All right, good. Um, thank you guys for listening. I want you to, uh, I don't know when this is going to come out yet, but go to lookingforwardmovie.com. That's the movie I've been doing since March. One blog at a time. It'll be cut into something real next year. Uh, but <laughs> right now we're about 11 hours worth of blogs for you to watch. Uh, follow us on at Comedy on Vinyl. Follow me at jklam, J-K-L-A-M-M on Twitter. And that's about it. Thank you guys for listening. Donna Lynn, thank you so much for coming. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And as always... Have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. Please visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. 
please subscribe on iTunes, and if you like us, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl, and find everything else at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune into the new Stand Up channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. In 2012, Stolen Dress Entertainment brought you the feature-length mockumentary Looking Forward, the story of one 24-year-old man's presidential campaign, 12 years in advance of eligibility, and 16 years in advance of a good slogan. Now in 2016, in anticipation of an historic election season, Stolen Dress Entertainment brings you the sequel, Looking Forward 2016. 14 of the story's central characters will present video blogs, bringing you their side of the story. On the day following the election in November, the strangest, most unorthodox film sequel in history will be completed. Visit LookingForwardMovie.com to see every video as it is posted and to watch the original film for free. Subscribe to the channels you like, retweet the characters, and share your thoughts on the Looking Forward page on Facebook. Looking Forward 2016. One campaign in pieces. Oh,